Minnesota basketball fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron. I'm Chris. And we're here to discuss some Minnesota basketball, of course. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Living in Loserville. You know, very fitting. Very fitting. Um, Not today, though. Not today. The Gophers got it done. They're having a great season. This is a podcast for those who don't know that talks Timberwolves and Gophers basketball kind of just bounce back and forth throughout the year. We'll take it all the way to an NBA champ, forget it, to an NCAA champ, whatever. Anyway, um, we will take it as far as this thing goes. Uh, let's let's put it that way. So for those who um, you know hung with Aaron and I uh, through the, the the Vikings and Gophers stuff. For football, we very much appreciate it. And if you're into basketball, check out the podcast. So we're going to start with some Gophers. Of course, they just got done beating an unbeaten team in Michigan. The same Michigan squad two games ago that just walloped them. Um, So it was a great bounce-back victory, especially after back-to-back losses. You don't want to have too many. You know, Well, you never want to really lose three in a row this year. You know, all of a sudden you look in the rankings or the, you know, the standings of the Big Ten and, it, and it's trouble. So we're going to start there. We'll break down some of this game today. Then we'll just kind of give our thoughts thus far on the season four and four in Big Ten play, which, you know, is pretty good, right? Until you go, well, that's like eight straight games against ranked team. Then you go, wow, that is phenomenal. So we're going to break that down, kind of give us our our overall view of the roster and the year, the depth, and et cetera, the pros and cons. Then we'll switch over to those Timberwolves who um, can't really get healthy with Cat right now. And now him, Rubio, and was it Culliver? Somebody else has COVID as well. It's been a funky start, but we are going to kind of give our thoughts so far on the roster, on the, the new players, new positions, on the rookie Edwards, who probably will be a stand-up comedian when he's done because he's so funny. Just a variety of stuff. Also, you know, go figure. The media is just already like, this roster's broke. There's nothing. Uh, just everything. It's just the end of the world, even though we, we have, we've, we've gotten five games with D'Lo and Cat so far. Anyway, and I'm talking about total, <laughs> not this year. We haven't gotten five games with them this year. But anyway. We'll get into it in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the Living and Loser Bro podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on Ropadope Radio, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropadope Radio. We have a variety of ways to listen, and, and I'll definitely tell you about it. You don't have to go to Blog Talk if you don't like you know, that, that, that browser or whatever. You could download the show there, but you can also find this here basketball show on the Ropadope Radio podcast. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, really all across the board are also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network, which you can find pretty much everywhere, including Spotify. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And we also want you to, if you, if you, if you, we'll say please, we'll say please, if you'd be so kindly to go over to the Living in Loserville on Spricker. We opened up a page there, and it's all four things we talk about between football and basketball and Gophers, Timberwolves, Vikings. And that's kind of a year-round thing. This summer we'll be 
doing some of those classic shows. So give that a follow on Spricker. Uh, one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the card or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called AT&T TV Now. It's live streaming cable. Uh, there's no annual contract. You can stream it anywhere. Um, the plan starts as low as $55 a month. You sign up right now. You get a free uh, seven-day trial of HBO Max. If you sign up for the Max package, that includes HBO Max, plus a free month of Showtime, which is normally $11. That's AT&T TV now, like I said, live streaming cable. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Aaron, and see how he's doing on this lovely Saturday afternoon. I'm doing well. You know, it's basketball time now, so coming off the Purple People Eaters podcast and into Living Loserville podcast, got to re-get the mind going in basketball-wise. And did watch the Gopher game this afternoon, and it was nice to see them come out and get a little revenge for uh, was a bloodbath in Michigan. Uh, they've been struggling on the road, but have really started to uh, get wins at home that they absolutely need to have in this conference. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, 12 games left during the regular season in the conference. Knock on wood that we don't have uh, too many postponements down the stretch. Obviously, that's an ongoing thing uh, in every sport, right? But right now, you can start to see um, in the NBA and the NCAA basketball, it's, it's starting to take hold. We're starting to see some spread going around. So, you know, they, they did maneuver the schedule pretty well as far as gaps. Um, but down the stretch, then you start to say, well, there's not as much wiggle room. Um, but just kind of talking about this game, first of all, Dan Dockich, uh, you know, he knows everything. We'll just take that. And, and I know he checked Jordan in a game, and I know Jordan owes him $6,000. I think it's from golf, a golf bet that he didn't play. But this dude knows everything. And don't get me wrong. I've listened to him for years. If you watch college basketball, you're going to run into him. He's very detailed. He's very good at what he does. I'm not ripping him just to rip him. But the dude just lectures the whole time. And what a coach should do, what a coach shouldn't do. Why don't you just go be a coach then since you know everything, pal? But uh, but I like I said, I'm, it's kind of like a backhanded compliment because there's plenty I really do like about the detail. He needed to square his shoulders there. He needed to, you know, I do. He picks up a lot and is able to deliver that. But I don't know. Sometimes I think of the things he, you know, would do as a coach and you'd be – the, the the team would go on a 10-0 run because you benched everybody. So, you know, the opposite team, I should say. So that was a, you know, that was a big thing today. <laughs> um, and it always is when when good old Danny uh, is on the mic. But like I said, I, I do appreciate him um, to an extent anyway. Because, you know, he just kept talking. Marcus Carr, he just takes – he just takes – it's so many bad shots, so many this, so many that. It's like, dude, do you watch every every game of his? Uh, I'm not sure. But I'll say this. Um, Eric Curry early got a nice – like a very nice contributions early. Um, the defense for the Gophers, I mean 12 points. It was 22 to 12 at the 533 mark. Um it was ugly shooting at the start from both sides, especially from three. A lot of it had to do with defense, but especially from three. I mean, it was 330 mark in the first before anyone, it was Michigan, unfortunately, anyone even hit a damn run. 
or he hit a three. Speaking of run, that's where that next word was coming. Michigan went on a 9-0 run, cut it to 24-21. to um, Really the first half defense, bad outside shooting, but 30-23 to at half. Um, the Gophers just defensively for pretty much the whole game were just steady. I'm glad you mentioned Curry because – He's a player that's been kind of off and on the beginning of this season, and he's as old as uh, anybody on the Wisconsin team. Uh, he's been with us for a long time due to injuries and so on, and I haven't seen him so impactful uh, to start a game, and even for the most part throughout a game this season. So if he's starting to get into form, that's a great thing. But you're right about the defense. I think in the first half, the Gophers had 10 turnovers, uh, probably six steals or some. I know they finished the game with 20 turnovers and had 12 steals. So you know they're playing defensively, and the score shows that. Um, and that's really what I want to see because I think you've got offensively parts and pieces you can use and generate offense. But I think defense, and we'll talk about more with the Timberwolves. I'm dying to talk about that. But uh, with these guys, you hold Michigan, which I think scored, was it over 100 at Michigan? I'm not sure, or high 80s. And now, you know, you hold them to 57 points and holding any Big Ten uh, opponent, whether home or road, to 57 points is something uh, to be proud of. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Robbins, for the Gophers side of the three-pointers, hit a three with four minutes into the second. That's the first three we had. Speaking of Robbins, he had a great bounce-back game. It's happened a couple times where he'll look great. Then the next game kind of, not look as good, then bounce right back. This is a bounce back uh, head up because two games ago he had a rough one. It was nice to see him. You know, back-to-back dunks, um, one by Robbins and one by Carr, I believe it was 48-35, to 35, eight minutes into the second. Michigan cut it, though, within like 70 seconds, 48-40. Um, to 40. Uh, And, you know, the Gophers, although they got it to the paint, they were 6-30 in the paint. That was a little troublesome. Um, but then Carr really just started getting to the rack. Um, we started doing some really good back cut passing. And next thing you know, Robbins hits another three and another one, making it three for three um, with 6.57 left, 61.44. And it was cruise control after that, Aaron. Yeah, it really was. And the most oppressive thing, besides the defense, I thought, uh, was just the overall makeup of this team. Uh, Patino kind of had to throw it together on the fly uh, this offseason. He had a lot of people leaving and had to replace a few players, uh, and he did a good job with that to end up with a team that's nine deep and with a lot of different things you can use for matchups is, is pretty impressive. I don't think any of us thought that it would go so well, um, but when you go on cruise control towards the end of the game, uh, there wasn't a point in this game, Chris, coming down the stretch that you thought you could give this one up. Uh, and that's a rarity when watching a gopher basketball game. Uh, and I, I think it was just enough to like give you a little more confidence in the squad going forward. Yeah. And last year down the stretch, that's where we did struggle so much. We had two stud players and some guys that some of them fit, some of them didn't, some of them were young, some of them inexperienced, some of them struggling. I'm talking to you, Gabe. Uh, I mean, defensively, we know Gabe's solid and all that, but man, his three-point, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> but um, overall, you know, I, I really liked what I saw. It speaks to the depth just in general. And even though I talked about, you know, points in the paint, they actually did end up with more, 32 to 28. 
uh, bench points was about even, like you said, 12 steals to four. I mean, that is a big, big, big one. And, I mean, they led for like 38 minutes of this game, which is another one like you're like, really? Okay, I'll take that. That's that's pretty money. Um, they put up that most consecutive games versus ranked opponents. I figured it'd be in the Big Ten because at one point they had – or, I mean, the Big East because at one point it was like they had like 20-some-odd teams. Uh, Providence in 1991 – had to face 10 in a row. St. John's 2010 had to face eight in a row. And, uh, you know, if you, the, I mean, we've faced nothing but ranked teams while we've played them so far out of eight games. And now St. Louis, you know, which was after the Illinois game, they're ranked. So I remember maybe three weeks ago, Aaron, four weeks ago, we talked about this roster. We liked it a lot. We thought it could be a tourney team. It just looking at the schedule, it was daunting. And, and if we could just, even then, I think it was three or four, we said, because the first seven were, and then it turned out even more of them, one more. But to get to four and four, and we were just off air going through the standings, and probably, you know, soon enough, today or, or tomorrow it'll probably be you know three games out of first place but it's not about just being first place or anything like that to be four and four off of you know eight in a row against ranked opponents you really can't ask for much more no you can't and i mean you could but it wouldn't be reasonable and four and four down that stretch which we knew was going to be daunting but like you said we didn't real really understand uh, the level to which, because you just don't know what's going to happen to each team until you play them. And and uh, to come out of that stretch of ranked teams and being ranked yourself and dealing with St. Louis, which uh, Patino did say uh, in a couple interviews that he uh, thought they would win their conference and they, ha- they are ahead and they are ranked now. And he said they were a tough team and it was a tough game. Uh, they played with them, but like you said, it's it's a good place to be, and this team, you can tell, is still building and finding itself. So we haven't really hit our stride yet, and we're hanging in there and doing a little better than that at this moment. So uh, in the Big Ten, it's we talked off the air about this too, about how strong the Big Ten is uh, within the league, and it's a tough league, and it's going to be hard to win on the road. You just got to defend your home court. So far, they've done a good job of doing that, but it's going to get tougher uh, as other teams are finding their legs as well. So you got to hang in there, continue to build as a team. And I think they're doing a good job of that. And that whole road thing, road games against, you know, ranked teams is different. No crowd, though. So that's, you know, the whole thing is a little different. There's no crowd, which helps a lot. Of course, it can hurt you at home or whatever. I guess you could, you know, split that so it's about even. But um, on the road during COVID is different, though. Um, no doubt about it because you're just cooped up. But they do um, in a couple of days here at Nebraska. So we're going to kind of, you know, zone in on that and see how that goes. Just talking about it thus far since we, you know, are done with the football now for a while till free agency. Um, we will be doing a free agency show here, you know, in a couple of months and whatnot. But we haven't really gotten to give our take on the roster on the depth, especially last year, man, remember Carr, especially Carr, just playing so many damn minutes. But both the, the studs last year, just relying too much on that many minutes. We 
didn't really have much depth at all. Um, so obviously Carr still playing like a stud, obviously. Um, Patino has mentioned how we can't rely on him as much as we do at times. And I think some of that is him passing a little bit more too. Like his, his points have gone down his shooting struggled a little bit. The whole team struggles on the road for the most part. But, um, I think that they're finding that realm as far as existing as a whole, just without car, but the first, or, you know, without car having to, you know, one-on-one with people or pick and roll or every single time isolation or something like that. We can save that for the last five minutes too. Um, but the biggest, you know, thing I want to talk about right away is Robbins, uh, the transition to the big 10, he went to Drake. Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes they never get going. Uh, some of these transfers, it's a different type of transfer too, because it's not a, a grad transfer. He does have two years eligibility and a, technically three years, I suppose, because this is a free year, but, I'm guessing it'll only be two years, but I got to say, man, you figured Aaron that he'd have some issues with fouls early and he did, but he's actually superseded my expectations for him this early in the big 10, which as we know, night in and night out, you're going to have not only a solid big to play against, but versatile ones where one's going to be meat and potatoes. The other one's going to dry out to the three point line. Yeah, I'm impressed with him too. And I had the same reservations that you had coming into the season just because you don't know what you have and you don't know how he's going to handle it. But he seems to be very competitive because he keeps improving. Like you said, he got done at Michigan, turns around and plays a heck of a game. He did that as well, I think, with Iowa. No, it wasn't Iowa. Somebody else. He played well, well, decently well with the two games against Iowa so far. But uh, he tends to – you beat him, he'll learn and come back and be better. And that's what you want to see. Uh, he, he's a big kid. Uh, I think he runs the floor well enough. What was surprising was his outside shot. Being able to shoot threes is huge. Just ask, uh, Carl Anthony Towns and you can do a lot with him. He seems to be good on pick and rolls and a good defender with, with blocks this season. So I'm impressed with him. I'm glad he has some more eligibility. Um, let's hope he doesn't bounce like Oturo did, but we'll save that for a different show. But, uh, he, he's impressive. And I think that's kind of the cornerstone because we can work that inside outside game. Yeah. And usually he'll make a very decisive move when he gets the ball too. Um, And you can really start to see him develop there. Obviously the three pointer um, plays into it, but 46% for a seven footer. I do like that 50 and above, but like I said, you know, the 34.5, which is a good number for a big, don't get me wrong, from three. It's kind of funky. I like the 70% um, from the free throw line. Uh, we got a couple of, I mean, you know, Johnson's shooting 38% from three. Most of it is that one game. Carr, 36. Um, Gotch, 35. We got some guys that can hit some threes. But the guy we need to hit threes, <laughs> Aaron, uh, Gabe, 22.7 from the three point. This is a guy who was 41%, got it back, you know, struggled last year, got it up to like 35 or 36. In, in this, this 22.7, Aaron, is actually with like shooting the ball better. I think he was three or six uh, the other game. Like it, it's, it's, Gabe does a lot on the floor. We know that. But man, just think if we can start hitting these open threes for the most part. 
Well, here's my idea about Gabe. Now, you're right. He does everything well, really well on the floor. He, it's definitely worth his minutes. But uh, what I would do is I would just tell him no more practicing threes to stop it. You know, you can shoot them in games, but I don't want you to shoot them in practice. And I think because I think he's from what Patino has said, he's just a, like a relentless practicer, relentless shooter. And I think at some point you take, you know, a thousand three pointers every day. You find yourself, you know, into weird rhythms and, uh, you know, things that little hitches in your in your shot that you're just not going to get if you're just free flowing. I think maybe back off. Don't let him shoot as much. And then when he gets in the game, he'll maybe loosen it up. Now, that's just a theory, I think. But, um, you know, I think maybe he's just overdoing it and maybe in his head he's putting too much pressure on on himself to make these shots. And and that's the worst thing to do. It needs to be more of an instinctive thing and just, you know, what's going in and. Uh, I don't see that, but if he can improve another 10% on his three, that's going to mean wonders, man, because then we can not only get his defensive advantages, but he'll be able to, again, spread the floor with the three-pointer. Now you've got another element in there to help spread the floor and give Robbins and Johnson a little bit more room inside. But like I said, it's all building, and if Gabe Shaw can come together and that be part of the identity of this team, uh, you're almost looking at a totally different animal. Uh, but you know, it's more of a tweak because now you have more people to cover on the perimeter besides car. And, uh, that's a big thing. If you can have cars penetration and three point shooting and then Gabe spot shooting, uh, that's a dangerous combination. And add gotcha into that penetration pass or penetration to the, to the rack as well. Does he really still shoot a thousand a day during the season? I'm not sure of the exact number, but I know that Patino said that he can't get him. Yeah, he can't get him out of the gym. I think you, you ever do something like that, Chris, where you you do so much of it that little things develop that shouldn't develop. Uh, like uh, I don't know, I would compare it to like a golf swing or maybe a uh, something that you do where you, I'm not saying you know practice makes permanent, but in a sense, that's kind of what I'm saying. No, and you can tell his shots still. Look- looks just fine he hasn't tweaked it or whatever but yeah and it's not like well don't practice him but i know what you're saying like hey after today like maybe you know after a, a practice one day just go up to him and be like hey gabe go home dude just just for today you know i i see what you're saying about that uh, or just walk by him and say you know save it for the game you know what i mean don't. yeah i mean i think he's you know I, i'll never say don't don't shoot after I, I see what you're saying. I think it's a good idea. Just, just kind of get his mind off. Yeah, shut it down today, yeah, shut it it down today dude. It's all good. Yeah. We know you can do it. Um, and it's not like he is trying to change his shot, so he, he's trying to get those extra reps. But, um, man, and, and, hey, it hasn't happened really. I mean, maybe two games or something. But it's going to turn for him or at least jump up to uh, respectable uh, by the end of the year. So, I mean, that, that would be that would be. And I think, you know, um, Booth Gotch, who's a transfer player, he's got two years left as well. He had a good, a great start, really. Multi, you know, multi-purpose type game he has. He can slash, he can shoot a little bit, he can pass, he can rebound. He struggled of late some. I do believe, though, some of that is trying to get Gabe featured and get him off, too. And so that's kind of, he's taking a backseat to that a little bit. But he still doesn't get you hurt in there, Gotch. Uh, but I really like his long, lanky, you know, everything about the guy. I really like him. And not just that, you know, we're obviously next year, Carr's going to be gone. 
look for him to have, you know, I think he is a type of guy that could step up in a major or a bigger role. He kind of showed that earlier, but he's, he struggled a little bit off a great start though. Yeah. He adds an element that we haven't seen here uh, in this form for quite a while in golfer basketball, where he had that three, that two, three kind of tweener who can slash drive can also shoot the perimeter and is, has the length to uh, be a good defender and run the floor. And uh, we've been missing that piece for maybe uh, the last two or three seasons. I think Coffee kind of was that, but Coffee kind of had to be a guard that last season. So it's nice to have a guy like that, versatile. It, you can, depending on matchups, you can play Gabe or you can play uh, Johnson. You can play Gotch. You can play Trey Williams. You can play uh, a bunch of different guys for different matchups. And it really makes it uh, a better situation for Patino because he he can be a little bit more selective on his rotations and what he wants to do yeah no doubt about it and no one well Gabe's playing just barely 30 minutes and even Carr's down to under 36 um so you look at Carr Robbins got um Gabe Johnson Mashford Jr. Trey Curry Indian I mean that just that list of players, they can all do something, man. We we I I can't say enough about the depth of this team. It just it, whether it's foul problems, whether it's someone struggling, or whether you know someone's injured, I think we're gonna be okay down the stretch of this uh, this 12 uh, games here left in the regular season, sir. Well, what I think about, I want to make a point about Carr because I didn't really get to put in my two cents there, and uh, we were talking about how this team's gonna progress, and you know they. Carr went off in the beginning. Now they're starting to pull back his minutes a little bit, pull back his shooting, let other people develop. Don't be a fool and think that when we get to tournament time that it's not only going to be these other guys improved, but then Carr will be allowed to do what he did in the beginning of the season again, and that just makes it ridiculous because now you've got everybody on a higher level and Carr doing what he can do together come tournament time. I mean, that's what I see coming and I'm glad that it's kind of went that way. He's pulling him back, and he's going to let him loose at some point. Yeah, and uh, at any time in the last couple of minutes in any game that he's struggling, he can do that. So that that that's something, man. And this defense is a difference maker this year. Uh, the fact that Robbins is actually getting four and five block games in the Big Ten, that's what I, you know, I saw a couple early ones. I'm like, all right, but will he be able to do that in the Big Ten? And He's really learned how to just go straight up a lot more and be like, hey, dude, you are seven foot, man. You got long ass arms. So you don't need to be too aggressive like you were at Drake because you're playing a different caliber, not just someone driving on yeah, him. And go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Brandon Johnson's that kind of solid uh, work pale type of guy. Comes in and gets the dirty work done. So you need to have that guy. And I really wanted to uh, you know, highlight Isaiah Innan and his improvement, Chris, over. Uh, what we saw last year to what we're seeing this year uh, is a vast improvement, and he's really put himself into this rotation as a very viable member of this team. Yeah, and Johnson most likely is a one-and-done unless he wants to take advantage of this season, uh, you know, the free season. But um, just piggybacking off what you said, have an Indian in that starting lineup next year. You know, he's been in it a little bit this year. He plays sparingly, then he'll play a lot. It's it's gonna he's gonna be able to really give us some minutes. One of the biggest things too is the free throw shooting. Not only do we get to the line, but we make them. Which under Patino, that hasn't been the case. No, it hasn't. 
Uh, and that's been frustrating for the last couple seasons we've been doing this show. And we're just talking about make your free throws, particularly down the stretch, or make them all game, and then they won't be so weighted uh, at the end of ball games. And uh, this team has improved. Uh, I won't say substantially, but they've improved a bit at the free throw line, and they're in the need to con- continue to improve. Um, that's one thing that you got to have them shooting all the time, I think. And that might be uh, the counter argument to my argument about uh, Kelsher is that, you know, if you're going to have them shooting those free throws all the time, wouldn't that be the same for someone shooting three points? But that's a, something I'll have to think about and get back to you on. But, yeah, uh, improvement at the three at the free throw line always is important and can only help the squad. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um so, like we mentioned, at Nebraska and then home at Maryland, let's see how we do on the road and then take on a solid program in Maryland. I think these are, you know, do we win them both? That'd be nice, but we have to at least split uh, to keep this thing going at 4-4. Four and four. Any any uh, final thoughts on the Gophers roster here? No, I think you're right about the split. At least split and hope for more. Uh, Nebraska's kind of building again. And uh, Maryland, you know, they used to be a solid ACC uh, contender, and now they're in the Big Ten and kind of doing the same thing, getting back to where they were. So that'll be an interesting game to watch, see where we are. And then, uh, obviously, you hope you get the win against Nebraska. All right. Now, moving on to our Minnesota T-Wolves. Big trade in the NBA. Huge trade. And the Wolves were just kind of sniffing around, and they're trying to get P.J. Tucker. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But as far as the Timberwolves go, you know, talking roster talk, we got a variety of new players. Um, I'll say this. The media nowadays even more are just watching Twitter and going into forums and Facebook posts and all. They they're just gonna okay this this okay ninety percent of the eighty percent of the people say this so this is what I'm gonna just basically echo chamber it. I mean it's just funny it's just funny to me that now I, I in in a you know let's say a month from now some of the things that they're saying are going to be true that's not what I'm I'm not they're, they're just all wrong not like that but the amount of this roster's broken, this whole thing is fucked, this whole, you know, it's like, dude, calm down just a little bit. First of all, this is the Timberwolves. Second of all, did you see the losing streaks that we had last year? Um, let's take a deep breath. Um, don't get me wrong. You know, that Memphis game sucked 100%. Um, to be up, you know, 92 to 80 uh, in the fourth quarter with 11 left, and the next thing you know, at the 931 mark, it's 9291. Um, that's not good, right? That did suck. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, say it didn't. But remember, this is actually John Meyer um, from the Daily Wolf. He says this always keeps me grounded. This is last year. The Kings trailed. Remember this. The Kings trailed the Timberwolves by 17 points with 249 left in the fourth since 96-97, which is the first year for play-by-play data. NBA teams entered 0, 8, in 8,398 when trailing by 17 in the final minutes of the fourth quarter or overtime. They lost the game 133 to 129. That's my point, folks. We're looking at a very similar team right now. There's a couple things that play into it. One, Cat and D'Lo 
have played five games together total. Not this year, guys, total. Last year, too, because remember, he hurt his wrist. So I just – I need us to calm down. We got a brand-new team and played, like, what, 15 games with it? This offseason, we didn't get to go to the bubble. So we didn't get an, a camp in preparation to go to Disney World and then have a mini camp and then get to play 10 games either. We've been off all this time. So you can actually see some of those teams are struggling a little bit more. But if you don't have Cat, it's hard to judge this squad, especially overly. Yeah, they do have to improve on defense. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff. But just the media, it's not even the fans actually too much in this one right now. The media are just freaking out. They loved the roster not long ago, especially in March. We made the trade, or, you know, late February or whatever. And now all of a sudden, nope, nope, the whole thing is we got two players and that's it. Just call it quits. It's all done. I mean, let's take a deep breath, shall we? Yeah, I just did. And uh, I like the roster. And I do agree with maybe the hyperbolic things the media are saying, but I am endlessly frustrated with this club. That's my angle here. And more than other seasons as well. I think my frustration with this, as everyone can know from knowing me, is defense and their lack. And I'm almost to the point where I'm willing to say refusal to play defense. Uh, The roster's good enough minus a power forward with some power. Um, you've got offensive players that can get you in the 120, 125, 130 at night, but you're going to give up that if no one's going to play defense. I, I think Ricky came in, tried to prove or try to say defense, and they were like, dude, get the fuck out of here with that defense shit. I mean, it's – I don't know what else to say, but for three seasons I've seen the same thing. And, you know, to say that – if, if Jimmy Butler can't come in here with what he did and get these guys to play defense, I'm hard-pressed to think that anybody can make this franchise and the players that play in it play defense. And I'm not going to go on a rant here, which I kind of am, <laughs> but it's getting to the point where it's a refusal to play defense, and then therefore you're stealing money, and we're going down this road, and now we're sell the team and all this stuff that's going on. So I can sort of understand why the media and everyone else is, is frustrated because I'm frustrated. You can't give up 130 a night and expect to score 148. You can't do it. You can't even do it when you want to do it, i.e. that school in California. What was that, Pepperdine? No, it was uh, Leola Marymount who tried to just run the ball and not play defense. You know, got to the tournament one year and then got blown out by a team that defended them. So it, you've got it. It's a little different in the NBA because you're paying these guys. And we've got guys on some very high contracts. I heard Towns go off about how he's upset that his team's not playing defense, but I'm sorry, Cat, you got to play more than three of 11 games. I know you got COVID now, but man, it's always something. It's your wrist, it's your stomach ache, it's your lack of uh, want to, or it's COVID. It's something. But at this point, Chris, to end this rant, he's played less than a third, a little over a quarter of a 12-game season so far. Yeah, I'm going to push back on that, though, a little bit. They gave him a six- to eight-week diagnosis. He came back in two weeks. So the always something with Cat, this is actually the first year he's been speaking out a lot more. Uh, But if you look at last year, 
it's tough to look at this year because, like you said, they broke it down nicely three out of 11 and, and, and judge them this year as far as defensively. But last year, he definitely took an improvement. Now, a couple years back, when, you know, when Butler was here, we played a lot better defense, though. Now, he wanted to be top three or something, but we were efficiency. We had off. It's funny with the tips thing. Everybody said tips couldn't coach. We were top 10 in both efficiency in defense and offense that year. So we, that was our best defense year. Point, Chris. Absolutely. And just to dovetail that point, we played defense that year and went to the playoffs. Right. I, right. That's my point. But but so, it, you know, Cat has stopped last year. He stopped chasing blocks and he played solid defense. But I can't really point too much at Cat this year. And I really don't think he's been a guy that misses all these games like, ah, no, nah, I can't do it tonight. My. My knees tweaked or my I pulled my sock and I ripped the you know how you get a hole in your sock? I can't do that. I, I just I, I, I don't I don't necessarily see that, but um so far so good as far as Beasley. As long as we can keep people off of his property, this this player is gonna be a damn good player. He's a beast. That contract that a lot of people out there, even in the media, were like, oh, I don't, this is, you're overpaying for a player like that. Not even actually talking about off the court, but on the court, he is beyond that contract. Um, as it was signed and he's starting to play like that, or not starting to, but he is playing like that, which I think is, is, is really good, actually. But overall, defensively, yes, it has to get better. I mean, when you're mixing and matching, we're starting him, we're not starting him. I just – I can't really look at 11 games with what's going on with this roster, you know, and be like, oh, man. I mean, once a Koji got out of the lineup, a Cat got out of the lineup, you could see a big difference um, on the defensive end. But the, part of that is a Kogi playing the four. They got Cutler playing the four sometimes. They got Hernan Gomez playing – he doesn't really play defense. They got Vanderbilt. So some of it is just mix and match. And I guess that's why I'm saying before we go to Randy, before we judge this roster, let's let it play. You can't have two players left on a roster of all those players from last year and act like it's going to go smoothly, especially that we didn't get an offseason to speak of as a team. Um, so I'm a little wary on that but let's let's hone in on that we'll get to edwards in a little bit we'll get to okay. rubio who really hasn't been playing that great this year so far but you know we could list off some players in general but that four position um i'm not a big fan of kogi there um no. culliver's longer and lanky at least you got that uh, you know I'm, i don't know I, I almost feel like being what you said about how many points we put up Maybe we should just put Vanderbilt there and see what happens and not, you know, just let him do the dirty work like you were talking about with the Gophers roster. Um, that's a really good point. And quickly to go back to the last point is, Chris, name one player on this roster besides Josh Akogi that is known for their defense. I mean, there's just not one. And defense, well, I mean, you can say that we haven't had all this Rubio. time together. True. But you can see we've had all this. We haven't had all this time together. But defense is not about time. It's about effort. It's, it's about team smart. though too. 
it's team too because if this yeah. guy's playing D and he's not, then all of a sudden you got a hole in your defense. Yeah, you can stand in the right place and still make terrible defensive decisions or have terrible defensive effort. And I'm talking about that. I'm not talking about Saunders' defensive schemes. I'm talking about guys trying to stop other guys, and they're not. And they it's almost like refusal. And, yeah, it's 11 games into this season, but what about all of last season? Well, if you're just you know, talking about effort, if you're just talking effort, Cutler and Beasley give a ton of effort on defense, dude. Okay. Well, we'll move on to this. Talk about the power forward. Uh, you're right. Kogi's not the guy for that simply due to size. I think he can do it out of out of uh, you know necessity. And Culver, still not the size you need. Uh, and maybe I'm being old school with what I think a power forward is, but they should have some length to them. And so maybe Vanderbilt is the guy they're just out of default and needing length and defensive uh, acumen. I mean, that's probably the best choice here. Um, although, you know, like you said, they may be looking for P.J. Tucker, and that would be a good thing. We, you and I off air talked about it would be nice to get Todd Gibson back, but now he's in New York. So we're talking about trying to fill a hole, and you don't really have the guys to do it. But I guess – if you're going to force me to make a decision on who should play that at this point, or at least start there, because Layman's not, Layman doesn't have the, the inside ability yeah. to do that or the size. Hernan Gomez, like you said, he kind of has it, but he doesn't really want to. looks like Vanderbilt's willing to put in the effort to play that spot. And it's got to be your best choice at that position. And, you know, if, if uh, Cutler had some beef on him, he could do the nowadays because you know, for his size, he does have length, but then he can just get beat up down there too. You know, when I look at it, Nas, Nas Reed is actually, but he's a center. So it's like, well, then we bump him to power forward cat. That might be our biggest, our best two combo uh, right there. But I do like having him be able to come in off the bench for cat. And he's played really well. Obviously he's getting um, in some of these games, more minutes because cat hasn't been there but maybe that'll be it but but ultimately you know um and this is part of having a deep roster right to be able to make trades even like last year we spoke of and that's what we really like about rosas is some of those guys that we signed weren't a good fit at all but they sure could be traded because there were quality players um we have some quality players that maybe would fit someplace else if we could get pj tucker for it pj tucker has that beef. He, he's not the biggest dude, but you don't have to be, I guess, you know, you don't have to be 6'10", like, you know, like we said, we're more old school. You don't have to be 6'10", you know, 280 anymore at power forward. Man, P.J. Tucker would be perfect. He, he hits the three. He's just a junkyard dog, dog, excuse me, perfect. You know, if someone's giving cats some problems, plus you don't always want your – there's not many number one dudes on a team who actually have to cover the hardest guy each and every play. We know KG used to do that, but go and Duncan is a stud, but he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. In fact, they never really played head up a lot of times. A lot of times it'd be Robinson or a different big. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do like the roster still. Um, I just, I, I just, it's so early. If it was, if it was 11 games and was fairly healthy, then I could at least really get down to something, but it's just, I've seen pretty much every game and it, I don't know. It's just so hard to judge with all this. But now Cat, Rubio, and somebody else. Is it Culver? I can't remember now. 
um, he, yeah, they're out now for, for a, a little time anyway with, uh, with COVID. So, and man, cat with COVID, I mean, I, I'm sure he's going to push through it. No problem. But his relatives and his mother, like to have seven deaths, it's just unbelievable. Man. Just unbelievable. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, but like I said, though, about Beasley, as long as we can keep folks from coming on his property, he's a damn good player, man. This guy's all energy. Yeah. And like you said, a trade uh, to get rid of some of the maybe we have a log jam at guard. I think uh, we got a lot of ones and twos, more twos than ones. I mean, guys that can do that. Um, we've got some expendable pieces there. And if you can get rid of some of those and bring in something for a, a power forward, like you said, PJ would be. Would be probably exactly what you're looking for, but you know, uh, you can't really uh, count your chickens before they hatch on that. And yeah, I mean, Cat's been dealing with a lot, all those family members and so on. So wish him well. Hope he gets better. I mean, I don't want to be too hard on him that he hasn't been around, but you know, that's been the story of of this franchise for the last couple of seasons. Is that well, we get Cat back. You know, we keep saying, well, we get Cat back, and it's like, yeah, you get Cat back for a you know, a two game stretch that something else is up, but uh, let's just hope he gets better and we can get him on a stretch. Cause he really means a lot to the squad. Uh, it's a big difference when you don't have him in there. And uh, as we all know, we want cat to come back and be healthy and play. So that's what we're looking for ultimately, but it's been frustrating just kind of the in and out status of it. And, and now you got those other guys out, which I think, you know, two of those you can kind of deal with, with the Rubio and, and Culver. Uh, you've got guys that can play those spots effectively but cats just you know he's the linchpin that everything else works around uh my only thing with him is just you know maybe be a little bit more defensive minded and delo i love delo i love to watch him play his shot so smooth but i you know i'll watch him and i'll go god that was a nice shot or that was a great passer you know wow what a vision but then his lack of defensive contribution just kind of wipes that all off the board for me so i love watching him play offensively but i don't want to be annoyed anymore on the defensive end, but maybe that's what you get with D'Lo. So then you've got to find other guys that are willing to play in defense. And it's just, it's never ending. And it makes it very frustrating for me to watch the squad, but it's still fun to watch these guys offensively, but you want to win games. You got to hold people under 130. It's just, you have to do that. Yeah. And just to double up was what I was saying. Like cat hasn't been this in and out of the lineup guy though. That's all I'm saying. Because if you look at it, 82, 82, 82, 77, before last year so you know he hasn't been in and out of the lineup just last year when he had a messed up wrist you know what i mean so but rubio let's talk about rubes okay uh we all love him you know great guy uh whether he gets a ton of credit for what he's done in other places or that's over the top whatever those are two great players that they say he helped mold um we can look at it from like a QB coach who's now going to be a coordinator. Some of them are awesome and they should get credit for molding this quarterback. Some of them it's, they get to that position. They're like, what the hell Rubio improved his three um, since he's left. Part of that is when he was here, we depended on him so much. So when he could be a, a role player, it was a, a much better fit for him. Um, you know, he still can't get to the rack and finish. That's I don't think he'll be able to do that any time in his career, but he brings a lot to the table overall. I think ultimately D'Lo, a couple other young players, I think 
you know, that he, he does serve a role. Also, his contract is very tradable. We got a lot of guys that are very tradable like that. Quality players. Um, what, do, what do you do with Rubio, though? You think instant offense off the bench, i.e. Um, I just lost his name from the Gophers. What the hell am I? Oh, Quincy Lewis. Hmm. Um, what, what do we do? Because it kind of feels like I want to start him. Because I, I, I understand he brings something off the bench for the younger, inexperienced unit and all that. And it, I just I just don't know. Bench, start, what, what do we do with Rubes? Well, I'll begin it by saying there's an ideal of what you want him to do this season. And then there's what you're probably going to see him do this season. I think the ideal is he's kind of a bench guy that comes off and settles things down or picks things up depending on what you need at the time. Uh, you start the other guys and you see something going south, put them in and fix it. Or uh, you need a little more energy or you need to run the, you know, run the floor a little more. Uh, you put Rubio in to do that. But the way things are uh, defensively and the way things are with, uh, I think, what they want to do, you're going to see more Rubio than I think you wanted to when you picked him up again. I think you kind of had this idea if he'd be, I don't want to say an elder statesman, but, you know, a kind of a guy that's a locker room and a kind of a, a calming influence for this team. And he's been asked to do a little bit more than that. Um, you're not going to get instant scoring out of Rubio. I don't think that's why you bring him in. Uh, you're going to get vision, assists, um, you know, change in speeds, uh, maybe change in style of play as far as the team's concerned. But scoring, if you ask him to do that, uh, I think you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. Although I did watch, Chris, uh, the most recent World Cup basketball, and he was playing on the Spanish national team. In fact, I'll send you the link to that after the show. But he was getting to the basket. Uh, he was shooting threes. It was really weird to see him because it wasn't that long ago, maybe a year or two ago. And uh, he had all his faculties, and he was being Rubio again. And so I'm wondering – Where's the difference? Maybe in the level of competition would be the difference. Why well, I can't get to the rack. Yeah, the NBA, NBA getting to the rack is different, right? But, I mean, this kid was doing all kinds of things. You're like, wow, you know, like once he gets around the basket, he's very creative. I'm definitely going to send you this because I think it'll really open your eyes to like what he's capable of doing, but he just can't do that in the NBA or he just doesn't think he can. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's best place would be a bench player to, to be a stopgap or an or igniter. Maybe like Vinny Johnson, the microwave, with, without the scoring, but with the uh, – that's kind of what Vinny was, I guess. But, uh, you know, just kind of to, to cool things down or to pick them up when you need it. I think ideally that's what you want. I think what you're going to see is uh, a lot more Rubio than you want to see. And uh, that's probably due to, like, lack of trust or maybe Beasley shooting too much. It's hard to tell what Saunders is really thinking. That's another thing about the club. I, I can't really get a grip on what Saunders is thinking as far as rotations and so on. And I know that's been a complaint in the media and I'm trying to get it. Cause I think if I can get my I head around trying that, to get a grip too, you know, with all these new pieces. Yeah. I mean, if I can get my head around that, I think it'll work a little bit better, but yeah, I mean, ideally like to see Rubio in, in the, in the position that I pointed out, but I don't know. Maybe you feel differently. Well, off the bench, I need offense off the bench. Um, but I, but I understand what you're saying—the calming, cooling, and and hey, it's starting. Who's gonna who's gonna cover small forwards if they start him? You know, now you could make an argument, and what I mean by that, D'Lo, Beasley, and him. 
But you can make an argument Beasley may be that punch off the bench. Um, and then mm. Rubes in him. You know, that might be the only way you can get him in the starting lineup. Because I can't sit there and make a great argument to have those three guys because none of them are going to be able to, you know, cover the, the four or the three. It's, you know, the last five minutes of a game in a certain matchup, no doubt. That, that That's what I think we'll see. And that's what I hope we see with Rubio, too. But as far as he's not – you could send me the video. I'm going to check it out. But he ain't getting to the rap, dude. He just never has. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, let me take that back. He gets there. He just always go away from contact, which makes it a harder layup. He's just not great at that in the NBA level. But that's not to take away from his game overall. The guy brings a lot to the court. And I like him in this role a lot better than his original role because it does take pressure off from him. Well, dude, we need at least 15 uh, – from me in one night, you know what I mean? That type of thing. So I do like that. You know, Chris, um, um, go ahead. quickly, what you said about Beasley immediately, that's what correlated with me uh, to Vinny, the microwave Johnson. Now that's a mm. role that Beasley could definitely that, you know, I see that that just clicked in my head right away. And I just wanted to, to tell you that because I mean, that's the igniter. And I don't, they're not really using him in that way, but I think, you know, ideally that's what you'd want to do with Beasley is, you know, instant offense. Yeah, and I think that that is part of all this stuff. We're going to try at this position. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I think they're figuring it out. I mean, there's – there really has – I mean, I think people forget we made the trade and they got like 12 games in. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's kind of strange. Now, one of the last things we'll talk about here is the young blood, the guy who's supposed to be a freshman in college, the guy who was stud in college – when he was a senior in high school, Edwards, um, you know, last couple games, not as good shooting the ball. Um, you can just see this guy pop. You can see that he already has an NBA level dribble off the, you want to talk about off the dribble, right? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, people are like, oh, a spin move, just like Wiggins, big deal. But did you see the dribble to get to the spin move later in there? Wiggins has never had that dribble. Now, I'm not trying to diss Wiggins all day. It's not like that. I was actually – I didn't love Willie, uh, Wiggins, but I wasn't as hard as on on everybody else uh, as much as everybody else. I can't talk. But what do you think of our guy, Ant? And, you know, let's say we don't play 500 ball the next 20 games, which is likely. Um, at some point, are we going to get him in the lineup here? Because he could play small forward. Or shooting guard. Uh, I'm gonna. This will be my first real controversial hot take. I think. Try it. I think. So, oh, sorry. No, I think so highly of Anthony Edwards uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, his shot. Uh, two, his youth and that shot combined with that. In fact, youth combined with all these characteristics and his efficiency of movement. He doesn't take extra dribbles. He doesn't. He gets to the point of his move, whatever it is, and is more than more than not, he's successful in, in what he tries to do. Now, the take is, and I know you're going to probably have something to say about this, but within the next two seasons, and I think probably the end of this one and, and going on the next one, it's going to make Cat tradable. Uh, he's going to, I think Edwards is the type of player it's going to force a, a rebuild and not a bad rebuild, but the team will be built around him as opposed to Cat. I know that's controversial, 
at this time. But from what I see from Edwards and we've seen from other players that are top five league-wise, and I, I really think Edwards is heading there, uh, you, you see efficiency of movement. And that's, if you can kind of get what I'm saying with that. I know exactly. Um, You're, it's well said. Very well said. He, there's no junk in his game. There's no fat on it. Yep. It's just straight up. And that's what you see in guys like, I will say the name Jordan. Now he's not, no, I'm not comparing him. You did it. You did it. You did it. We're shutting but up. You see, We're shutting down. But you do see that. And LeBron the same. There's no junk in the game. Yep. And of course he's young. He's unpolished. But yet, like I said, with the efficiency of movement, he's super he polished kind of though polished. at the same time, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I know what you're saying. He, you know, he's got the Dirk step away. He's got the Euro step. You're right. As he just very economical as he goes through, like, okay, yep, we're here. We're that. Like, he makes good passes. I mean, the whole thing about the cat thing, you combine though. That, yeah, and when you combine that quickly, and then I'll let you get on the cat thing. When you combine that with what he's 18 and a half, 19 years old, and he's got that already, and he didn't have to teach him. It was intrinsic. It was part of him. That's what's really impressive to me. And then I, my problem was him coming out i thought maybe his outside shot wasn't where it needed to be but he's draining enough threes to where i know that's going to be a consistent part of his game and i'll go ahead and talk about cat yeah you can't bring up cat like that and then be like well i'm gonna talk about so hold on no we're gonna talk no no but i don't think they need to be they could be on the same squad imagine a pick and roll with him i mean if anything, he can just get to the rack more. Like I don't, I think it can be both. I could, I think we could say exactly what you're saying. Maybe he will rise to a top ten, top five player, and keep him on the squad. In today's like basketball, having a big three helps out guards like crazy if it can be the right mix. So I don't even think um, that it's even about trading per se. Um, and by the way, he's tradable like crazy anyway cat at any time um a lot of people are kind of funky with that it's like oh really okay man you'll see what we get when we if we trade him but um yeah edwards definitely um since you broke it down so much i'm not gonna add too much to that we'll watch this guy um and at some point they're gonna get him in the lineup another thing to do with you know no really just the off season was messed up for him but he did take advantage of it in working on his personal skills, but I really like how you broke down the way he plays. It's very efficient. And the guy is just, you know, it seems like he learns right away. Just like the other night, eight seconds left. You gotta, you gotta have a layup there and you gotta lay it up. Rubio went and talked to him. Yep. Cool. Straight. Like it does seem like he really wants to be great. Any last words uh, before we shut this puppy down, sir? Uh, follow us on Instagram at living in Loserville and also uh, follow our Spricker page where we'll have uh, living in Loserville shows along with the purple people leaders podcast. And uh, well, like I said, we'll be doing some off season stuff with the Vikings and then continuing this until, well, we win a champ couple. Cha- uh, okay. Yeah. All right. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the basketball. Take a couple deep breaths. Okay. Just take a couple deep breaths. Peace.